0: Hey everybody and welcome back to Fake Science, the podcast where I complain about utter nonsense being communicated under the guise of being factual. This week I was going to be talking to you about vaccines, but unfortunately my expert guest has been unwell, so vaccines is going to go on pause for a bit. And instead, this week I'm going to take you for a walkthrough of the utter bullshit you see when science isn't properly reported. Today I'm going to walk you through my reaction to some genuine fake science you may encounter in the wild. And by the wild, let's be honest, I mean the wild wild web. What I'm going to do is pull up pieces of supposed science news that I've encountered in the last week and tell you why they are the academic equivalent of painting a mouse orange and black, setting it free in a school and reporting that a vicious tiger attack has terrorised a nation. So sit back, relax and hear about how a fryer a day won't keep the bald away and almost anything you've heard about red wine in the last decade is crap. This is Fake Science with Bronte Wilson. We're going to start off with this little gemstone that I encountered on social media just this week. Japanese scientists (laughs) say eating McDonald's could help hair to regrow. Yes. I'm going to start off with one really important point. And if you take anything out of this podcast, it should be this. No, they don't. No, no, no. Japanese scientists are not saying that eating McDonald's cures baldness. They're not. And it doesn't. At all. It is 100% fiction. That statement is about as realistic as your secret fan fiction tales of Professor Snape and McGonagall getting together and starting a foster home for abandoned penguins. Which, to be fair, is a movie I would totally watch. But moving on, this clip in particular was featured on Australia's Today Show, accompanied by an article. And we're going to summarise what this article is actually saying. It starts off with this quote. A team of Japanese scientists claim eating the fast food restaurant's fries could help here to regrow after seeing promising results in lab tests, The Sun reports. And by the sun, they're referring to where they got the information from, the UK newspaper, not, you know, the sun. Uh, And the rest of the article can be summed up as the scientists have mass-produced hair follicle germs which fuel hair development using a secret ingredient that is found in McDonald's fries. The research has been tested on mice, but researchers think it'll work for people too. And now let's take a look at what's wrong here. Entirely false claims. So the first point to be made is mostly just reiterating what I already said oh so eloquently. That no, Japanese scientists are not making this claim that McDonald's cures baldness. (coughs) That is entirely false. Nowhere in the study does anybody say that. In fact, nowhere in the study does anybody say anything about McDonald's at all. Which leads neatly into... The Magic Ingredient. All this hype about some magical ingredient is really just freaking weird. Because it's not like it's stolen from some secret McDonald's french fry recipe. The whole link to McDonald's french fries is actually really bloody thin. Because the same ingredient can be found in a lot of stuff. Also in silly putty. Yet for some reason you don't hear anybody saying, eating silly putty cures baldness, do you? So what is this mystical ingredient? It's called dimethyl dimethylpolysiloxane, which is a tricky word to have to say. So from now on I'm just going to call it chemical D. Because Chemical X was stolen by the Powerpuff Girls, and Chemical D just sounds so much more exciting. And what is Chemical D? It's actually a type of silicon that is also known for being an anti-foaming agent. So, Chemical D basically makes stuff that would get foamy, get less foamy. Its application in food for the most part, such as in french fries, is it's added to things that get deep-fried because of the way it affects the properties of the oil. Actually, it's added to the oil that the things get fried in. Because if you've ever cooked with oil, you probably know it's really spattery. And in a fast food kitchen with lots of people in a hurry, spattering could get quite dangerous. So, chemical D is added to things that go in the oil because it makes it spatter less. Is that straightforward. Chemical properties matter. Even if there was some ingredient in fries that was super important, yet specific to McDonald's fries alone, because of some hole in the time-space continuum that made logic stop for a minute. The conclusion of the study still wouldn't be to eat fries. So even if the ingredient was special to McDonald's, it wouldn't make the headline any less false. Because chemical properties aren't these universal things where each chemical will do the exact thing whether you lie in it, sniff it, eat it, inject it, roll in it, wrap it up in a canvas bag and suspend it over your head during a full moon as you sleep. No. Different chemicals do different things depending on what you're doing with them. For example, drinking coke has a very different effect compared to injecting coke into your bloodstream. Equally, eating a carrot? very different to what would happen if you grew something in a carrot and then transplanted that carrot into your skin. And if that sounds like a strange example, well, that's the gist of what was actually being done in the study, which is something that the fake news reports tend not to explain. What does the research actually say? Okay, so it's a little bit complicated, but I'm going to try to keep it simple. Bear with me. So the research team were trying to grow what we call hair follicle germs, or HFGs. Hair follicles are tiny organs that grow your hair, And hair follicle germs are like the precursor to hair follicles. Ignore the germ word. It's not like germs like bacteria or anything. Uh, So you need HFGs to grow hair follicles, and you need hair follicles to grow hair. Now, previous research has been unable to grow many HFGs at once. And the breakthrough in this research was actually achieving large-scale growth of successful HFGs. These HFGs were then transplanted into the backs of some naked mice, where they successfully grew hair follicles and even some hair. So where does the chemical come into it? Well, the HFGs have to be grown somewhere, and cells in lab experiments are grown in what we call cell cultures, which need to grow in cell culture vessels. Vessel, a place for the cell culture to grow. Obviously, they're put in with other materials to support the growth, depending on what kind of cells you're trying to grow and to do what. So, in this case, the silicon chemical D was put at the bottom of the vessels the cell were grown in because it is oxygen permeable. The idea being that HFGs were able to grow when given a nice, breathy, oxygenated thing to grow in. So, this successfully led to a large scale growth of 5,000 HFGs. The problem with this nonsense The problem here is that this is a news site with a wide audience and a fairly decent budget lying about what a study says, not communicating anything from the actual study, using it as clickbait to get an even wider audience, and ultimately the key message promotes unhealthy behavior. Not only that, but clickbait crap can have quite a snowball effect. It starts with one idiot not reading scientific research properly, and now if you Google or YouTube French fries and baldness, there are endless demonstrations of how this false information has been reproduced almost as quickly as it would have been to just read the research in the first place, So just in case anybody is left with any element of confusion, eating French fries will not cure baldness. Heck, chemical D is even found in hair conditioner. So, you know, as well as French fries and silly putty. So you'd think if anything to do with chemical D was gonna help with hair growth, it would be condition your hair, you know, using the stuff that actually touches your head, rather than eating French fries. It's all fake science, fake science. Similar to this stupid French fry news, there is another product that sure gets a lot of media attention, and that's... Red, red wine. Now, I'm not trying to hate on red wine, because a glass of pinot is one of my favourite things in the world. But, as you've probably figured out by now, fake science is one of my least favourites, and it's starting to ruin my wonderful... Red, red wine. And I don't know why it is that red wine has been singled out as a drink to constantly share research about. But every week or so, there is somebody on Facebook or chat or whatever trying to say that red wine does this, that, or the other thing. And it's usually the positive news that encourages drinking a glass a day that makes the rounds. But in the last three years, we have apparently discovered that wine might be less healthy than a glass of craft beer reduces the risk of heart disease and dementia increases the risks of liver cirrhosis sudden cardiac death alcoholic cardiomyopathies and cardiac rhythm disorders causes cancer increases alertness and old age could help cure bad breath slows aging isn't so good for us after all only protects the hearts of women over 55 raises blood pressure is as good for you as going to the gym slows aging reduces wrinkles may help dental health boosts fertility reduces your life expectancy may not be as good for you after all improves your balance repels bed bugs slows muscle healing causes memory loss reduces memory loss lowers stroke risks lowers sleep quality causes obesity increases risk of pancreas causes brain damage reduces brain damage you may have noticed that there were quite a few contradictions in there it's both good and bad for your health it keeps you young but makes you old it reduces the risk of heart disease but increases the risk of heart disease but don't worry i'm not going to sit and talk you through every red wine article i've mentioned because there's no real need to the same fake science themes pop up in all of them Red wine has more than one ingredient. The first point that a lot of these articles like to ignore is that there is more than one ingredient in red wine. In fact, it contains over 500 different chemical substances. But when these articles say red wine, they're often making a bit of a leap from the research itself. For example, a recent article entitled Red Wine, a Fertility Boost for Some draws its titular conclusion from a study by US researchers in which a set of participants were given a supplement of a compound called resveratrol. Resveratrol is a natural compound found in red wine and grapes and is the subject of a lot of research. Thus, it's behind a lot of these broad claims. For example, Resveratrol may help to slow down the body's aging process due to resveratrol, which protects against disease. Health benefits in resveratrol, a compound found in red wine, are equivalent to those you get from exercise. But while this fertility article begins with a statement, a daily glass of red wine could help boost fertility in women with polycystic ovary syndrome, according to a new study it leaves out the crucial information that nobody in the study was ever given any red wine. And giving a set of women resveratrol supplements every day is very different to having a glass of wine every day, especially when you think about the amount of the compound being ingested. Because the average glass of red wine contains up to 1.5 1.5 milligrams of resveratrol. while well, the study about fertility gave women a 1,500 milligram supplement a day. So what the article doesn't realize it's actually saying is that 1,000 glasses of red wine a day for three months might increase fertility levels. Which sucks because other research has kind of already indicated that 1,000 glasses of red wine a day might also increase levels of being dead. Aww. So whether it's resveratrol or other red wine components like polyphenols or flavonoids, researching one substance does not grant you the right to make statements about wine as a whole. Because also remember that there's a lot of alcohol in wine, and that's something you have to keep in check. And even if a few milligrams of resveratrol are going to make you live longer or give you superpowers, it doesn't offset any negative effects associated with other ingredients. Your health and life expectancy are influenced by a lot of things. So while some studies, as I've mentioned, focus only on single ingredients, there are some studies that actually focus on people drinking red wine. But that still doesn't grant broad generalization privileges because there is more to your health than your red wine consumption. For example, in one pretty awesome sounding study, 1,709 people in Copenhagen had their drinking patterns analyzed by scientists in the 1970s and then again in the 1990s. Drinking preferences were then compared to occurrences of dementia in their participants. And from this information, Dr. Thomas Trulson from the Danish Institute of Preventative Medicine said that wine rather than beer appeared to offer the best protection against dementia. However, one critic pointed out a pretty important detail, noting that the study didn't distinguish between different diets of the participants. The only thing it looked at was beverage choice. So it could be that people that drank red wine are also more or less likely to eat healthily, more or less likely to eat sugary foods, or less likely to drink something else that has some unknown negative effect. You can't conclude anything based on just drinking preferences. You've got to look at the whole spectrum of influences. Did the participants smoke? Did they eat fatty food? Did they get much exercise? What you drink is only one piece of a really big puzzle. But what's important, though, is that Dr. Trulson never concluded that people should start drinking red wine. Instead, what he said was, These results don't mean that people should start drinking wine or drink more wine than they usually do, but the results are exciting because they could mean that substances in wine reduce the occurrence of dementia. That's a pretty fair conclusion to make. Yet in the article, even though it includes the quote saying that these results don't mean people should start drinking wine or drink more wine than they usually do, Whoever wrote it still felt it was appropriate to begin with. A couple of glasses of red wine a day can lower the chances of senile dementia in later life. So that's not only fake science, but it's just really crappy reporting because it contains two strongly conflicting statements within the same six paragraphs. So when it comes to red wine, the only thing I'm willing to safely conclude is that, in moderation, it doesn't appear to be killing anybody, nor has it granted anybody immortality. So if you like red wine, enjoy some red wine. But like with any alcoholic beverage, or heck, anything you eat or drink at all, just use some common sense and focus on balance. This is Fake Science with Bronte Wilson. The moral of the story today is French fries aren't magic and neither is wine. But they're yummy and not directly lethal. So if you want, have some in moderation. But that's this episode all summed up. Um, I'll be taking a hiatus and I'll be getting back to you with some more fake science in the future. So thank you very much for listening. In breaking news, scientists have discovered that saying scientists have discovered something doesn't make it true.